Welcome to episode 34 of How About the Muskies. I'm Connor, joined with Matt, Andrew, and Matt. And today, Sunday, we're previewing the national championship game for UConn as the Huskies beat Miami in the final four. And now they're going to take on San Diego State tomorrow night in Houston for the title number five, possibly. It's crazy to say how far this team has gotten. And even us for the podcast, we started at the beginning of the year, how far it's grown. Everything is just clicking at the right time for UConn. And it's amazing to see another big double-digit win over Miami, 72 to 59. I mean, Adama Sonogo was dominant down low. Jordan Hawkins wasn't 100%. He was dealing with some sickness, but he still had 13 points. And Andre Jackson, without trouble, doesn't matter. The team stepped it up with their depth. I mean, all-around great win. Like, every game in this tournament has been all-around great. I mean, honestly... You can't say we don't deserve it at this point because we, for one, you know, after that St. John's game and then the Seton Hall loss, you know, a lot of people jumped off the bus way too early. And, you know, us as a podcast, we wanted to to make it clear that we were not leaving this team in the dust because this team still was a national championship contender because every team has their up and downs in the regular season. Nobody's going to go undefeated and win a national championship. We just saw the South Carolina Gamecocks in the women's division went undefeated their last like 40 something games and lost in the final four. So, you know, no team the regular season going to go undefeated. You know, you're going to have your ups and downs, but I mean, you can't say fans like us don't deserve this because we stuck by this team in two games that were extremely hard to watch, but now we're, we're getting really rewarded for it. We're playing for a national title tomorrow night. And I can't, I can't even believe I'm saying it. I mean, I can believe it, but it, it just feels so surreal to me. Yeah, and you hit that right on the hammer, or you hit that nail. <laughs> you hit that with um the surrealness. Like I, I totally feel that way because, um, I was expecting this team to be good in March. I really was. I thought that they had a deep roster, talent at every position, well coached team. I was expecting them to have the opportunity to make a run. Um, you know, realistically, I was thinking Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, I'd be happy. But just the complete level of domination. Uh, we've won every game by double digits up to this point. And this is going into the national championship game. It's it's like, I almost just don't even believe it. Like, what am I watching? Sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm like, what am I watching? Is this UConn basketball of the last 10 years? Um, It's just so rewarding because we really have gone through it. You can't complain too much because we have four national championships all coming after 1999. But I mean, we're younger. We're the younger crowd on this podcast. We really only saw 2011, 2014, and then we saw a really rough stretch that lasted almost 10 years. And like, it really is rewarding. And I think UConn fans do deserve it. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just psyched right now. I can't even process my words. Something about this team. Um, I mean, I understand what, what we've had to deal with the past few years, but just the way that these guys play, the way that they, you know, go about things on the court, the way Hurley coaches. It was either this, it was, for me at least, I felt like it was either going to come down to this, a very deep Final Four run, or we would have gone out in the first again. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is a team that, you know, if they had a bad night, could have gone out in the first round. Uh, you know, that is most of college basketball, but, I mean, UConn has had their rough stretches this season. We've seen it. We've lost to teams we shouldn't have lost to. But, I mean, they've put it all together. This is the team. This is This team is better. Than the team that started the season fourteen and zero. This team, this is a whole, this is a whole different team than we saw in the middle of the season, struggling. 
uh, losing to teams like St. John's. Uh, something about it, they wouldn't let me wrap my wrap my mind around us losing in the round of 32 or in the Sweet 16. It was either we were going all the way or we were bouncing out immediately. Yeah, and I think Dan Hurley, no matter what happens tomorrow night, really earned himself um, a lot of job security, obviously. But he really did have his back against the wall going into this season, considering um, his first two tournaments he made it to, they got bounced from. He hasn't won the conference yet. Um, You know, he has won a lot of games, but he never had those signature moments. And this entire season has been a signature Dan Hurley season. And I can't say for sure we're going to win the national championship, but no matter what happens, the way he had this team so prepared, the way that this team is just playing better basketball than anyone else right now and playing the best basketball they've played all year going into March. Um, obviously, we need to keep this guy around for a while. He's the best coach for us, and he's really proven that this year. And he really did have a mountain to climb as a coach. And what's this, his sixth year, right? Um that's a pretty amazing turnaround for how short of a time he's been here. That's really not a lot of time in college basketball to completely flip a program. So piggybacking on that Hurley thing. I mean, it took him, but this, this can't go without saying, you know, you might've seen a really cool edit posted somewhere, but this championship run isn't just fueled by the 17 guys on our roster. I mean, it's fueled by the guys like even good friends of ours with Whaley and Polly, but really, just the main guys, R.J. Cole, Tyrese Martin, Christian Vital, Jalen Adams might be the two the two biggest. But even them, Hurley, you know, it took a lot of people believing in this program to get it back where it should be after uh, somebody decided to run it straight into the ground um, and give these fans exactly what they didn't want, which was a lot of losing seasons. And, you know, Hurley came into the program you know, trying to bring it back, but, you know, it wasn't really seen as a reality that somebody could bring this program back in less than 10 years. And he did it in six. And I mean, now look, he got all the players he wanted. Um, he really built it up. You know, I think it was a miracle that we were playing in March uh, that year uh, with no fans, I believe 2020, 21, one of the two. Um, but I mean, now, now we've really earned it, but it just it can't go without saying that those guys didn't help bring this this championship team together. And I'm just curious now as to where all those people that were hating on Danny Hurley are, because you'll never see them again. Uh, they are in permanent hiding. I'll never forget. I'll never forget that game that me and Connor were at the St. John's game uh, at the XL Center. And we were sitting in the little bar area and there were the people behind us and they had every negative opinion you could have about a coach about Danny Hurley. They thought he did nothing right. They were calling him a bum. They were calling him an idiot. Everybody was hating on him. It's not just this year. I remember being in Twitter arguments years ago with people about it, saying that he isn't an X and O's coach. He's simply just like a big New York, New Jersey guy, and that's all he has going for him. Uh, this tournament has flipped that script entirely. You know, I've been lost in the – you know, is this the right guy to run the program? I mean, everybody thinks that, especially when your first few seasons, you can't win the Big East tournament. I mean, high expectations, but, you know, these things upset you, and you don't do that. You go out in March twice, uh, in the first round of March twice, in the first round, uh, that deflates you. And, I mean, we saw in the middle of the season, that that's when it became heavy, uh, that Hurley, you know, people were blaming him uh, as the problem, but... I mean, you know, you have these thoughts, but you never really think of them as reality. You know, there's always hope in the back of your mind that, hey, 
you know, he's going to turn it around. And he's turned it around so miraculously just this season alone. He's gotten these guys amped. And that has always been a big problem with him. People have said, especially me, that, you know, the players aren't ready coming out. And these guys have been the most ready group of individuals I've seen play any sport in quite some time. Um, They come out every night. And it's like they're playing, like, you know, it's their last game, which, I mean, for some of them, it is. But, you know, it's like they're playing like they like they actually have something to lose. You know, they're all playing for, for each other. Yeah, and Dan Hurley, the way I look at it, could write the textbook and teach a class on how to build the culture. Um, He's done it everywhere he's went, high school, Wagner, um, URI. He gets it from his father. His father is one of the best culture builders, culture sustainers, um, in the game of basketball, great coach in his time in high school. He was a high school coach, but he really, you know, he came in with this label as the carpenter for how he builds up programs. And, you know, obviously UConn fans, um, they're picky. They're skeptical. We're all like that. I'd be lying if I said I only had positive things to say about Dan Hurley on his run here. But he's really just proven that um, he's the guy. He is our guy, and he needs to stay around for a very long time. We can't let anyone snatch him up. I'd love to see him get extended because, um, yeah, like I said, the culture that he built in a program that really was not winning too many games um, the first couple years before he went there, uh, he really turned things around and taught these guys how to play winning basketball and brought in lots of winners, which is tough to do when um, there was no real winners at his program when he took it over. Now, one thing Dan really can do and has a group he can do this tournament is win a close game as we have won five games by an average of over 20 points, which is surreal. I mean, people are comparing this as one of the best runs ever. I mean, Villanova and I believe 2018, like, had a similar run where they beat Oklahoma, or I mean, we've my years. But they won a final four game by, like, 44 points. That's a comparable run. I mean, a couple of Carolina teams in the late 2000s, I believe maybe the 2017 Carolina team. But, I mean, this is unheard of. I mean, we're killing every team we play. We always think, oh, this is the game. It's going to be close down the stretch. Like Gonzaga, especially, like, oh, it's going to be 95-92 final high-scoring offense. I thought the same, honestly, for this one. I thought it would be in the 80s, 80-70 range. But Miami, it's the first time all year they didn't crack 60. I don't know. This defense, I feel like it's underrated. I mean, it's obviously, the scorers with Hawkins and go down low. But everyone collectively on the defensive end is just really impressed me in this tournament. Yeah, you know, the haters are always going to chirp about, oh, it's it's an easy run for UConn, but these teams didn't just appear here. I mean, Gonzaga had to play UCLA to get to our game, and we beat them by 28. Arkansas had to play Kansas, the reigning national champions, and we wiped the floor with them. Miami had to play, what, Texas and Houston to get there, and we just beat them by a good amount. So it's it's really, like, frustrating to hear that, we've had an easy run or some stupid stuff like that because it's we should deserve all the credit right now because we we've been through like what really not many programs have in the past I'll call it 10 years um you know obviously we have national championships but we just we've been through a lot and you know us as fans just deserve this but it is it's a little irritating seeing that people say that we had a an easy run because that's just not at all true i feel like wherever you go though i mean people are going to say that every sport you watch there's always you know a group of people who want to put an asterisk 
nice is something that you earned. I mean, besides the uh, 2018 Houston Astros, I feel like that's never, never a, a, a realistic thing. I mean, people love to talk about, you know, the Lakers back in the bubble saying there's an asterisk because it's different. But I mean, I feel like that was just as hard. That's a debate for another time, but we're not going to talk about that now. Um, no matter how who we beat coming in, I feel like we beat five very, very good teams. I mean, even the team we played in the first round, Iona. To me, that was a bit of a tough draw. You know, Rick Pitino is a fascinating head coach, to say the least. Uh, he's coached some really good teams. He uh, maybe won a national championship. I don't know if I'm allowed to speak on that, but he did something that one time, that one year. Uh, and then we come up against Laranega, who's a fantastic coach. Uh, we wipe him around. We come up against Gonzaga. Uh, blank on the names of the coaches very often. Very good coach. They've never won a natty, but, you know, they've been on deep runs plenty of times. And St. Mary's, who's been around for I don't know how long. They always put up fights against Gonzaga. Then that's uh, the team that we did beat. So, I mean, these teams aren't jokes. And these aren't jokes coach, jokes for coaches. And I feel like if you look at any of the runs, whose run was tougher than us? I mean, if you look at San Diego State, they got Creighton in the Elite Eight. Uh, we did not get that luxury. Uh, and they got FAU in the Final Four. Uh, we also didn't get that luxury. So, I mean, those are good teams, but I feel like if you look at us and look at, you know, the rest of the field, I feel like we had a more comparably tougher schedule. Yeah, and while we're on the topic of um, comparing ourselves to San Diego State in close games, um, one thing about the San Diego State team is that in this tournament, they've come out with some pretty miraculous wins by very low margins of scores, which is not something uh, Connecticut has been doing this year. Um, it's either we usually blow a team out or if the game's close at the end, uh, we don't really pull that one out. That's how it went during Big East play, at least, except that one time against Georgetown, but it's Georgetown. But um, all I'm saying is I would be much more comfortable in this game with a larger lead rather than um, it coming down to the last shot because I feel like, unfortunately, I trust San Diego to make winning plays in a close game um, a little bit more than us because that's just kind of their team. I'm not saying they're a better team than us, but our style is more we're going to thrash you around so it doesn't even have to be close. And their style is we're going to keep around so we could steal it at the end of the game. So I don't know. It's going to be an interesting game. Definitely don't want this to be a close one, but I'm just excited out of my mind right now. I was having this debate during the game last night with my dad and brother, and I was saying, I was like, do do we want a close game because we really haven't won? Uh, a game that's been that close, and my dad said absolutely not because you know what would happen with our luck if we had a close game. If we held on to it, it was within five. I mean, we'd have we'd have some stupid bull crap like a buzzer beater, and we'd lose off something that we can't control. You know, they'd step back and just throw it straight up in the air, and it would somehow go in. I mean, that PTSD from that Providence Big East tournament game, just being at that, watching 25 sink down to five in less than 10 minutes, still haunts me to this day. That's why I get nervous every single game. But I I don't care if we beat San Diego State by 95 or what the people say about the point differential. I, we, we've just got to win in any, any way possible. I really don't care how we do it. I don't care if Sunoco kicks the ball into the hoop instead of throwing it in. I mean – we have to win this game in, in any way possible, but I don't I don't want it to be close because I I don't quite know if I trust us to win a close game, especially on a team that haven't they won by two buzzer beaters or close to buzzer beaters this season because they beat Creighton on I don't know what the heck that last sequence was, but they won on a buzzer beater yesterday too. So I don't 
I don't know if I quite trust us in a really close game, but we we just have to win. Yeah, and um, another thing about – and I don't want to get ahead of myself at all here, but another thing is if we win by, you know, let's say like 15-plus again, uh, we could really go down as one of the most dominant tournament teams ever and go down as one of the most dominant tournament runs ever, which would just be fun. And like I said, not getting ahead of myself. Um, I don't take any opponent lightly, especially at this point in the year. But I would really like this UConn team to be in the conversation for one of the most uh, dominant teams of all time, which will happen if we, um, you know, beat the brakes off of San Diego State. And I really did not have that one on my UConn Huskies bingo card this year. I thought we were going to be good, but I didn't really see that one happening. So um, I would hope that happens and we could really say this was a historical season and a lot of guys go to the league and a lot of guys will go down as, you know, immortal and legendary. So if we were to pull this one out, uh, at least to me, this would be the second biggest uh, national championship we've won, you know, not just like team wise. I'm, I'm talking uh, like school wide, uh, school wise as, you know, we won in 99, right? We went in 04. That was the second one. Uh, 11, improbable. Uh, who knows how that happened? Sure, that was a big one, but not what it means just in the grand scheme of things. And then 2014. Uh, we came out and shocked the world again. But this one for me feels so much more important than any of them, mainly because of where we fell to and the level that we stooped down to. We were playing in the American Conference uh, forever. We somehow squeaked one out in our first year there, and then we haven't seen anything since. We had, before this tournament, one win since against Colorado back in 2016. Since then, nothing. We've lost to Maryland in the first round. And then we lose to New Mexico State in the first round and we get some Teddy Allen PTSD. But in terms of where we're going as a school and as a team, they need to win. They need to win. They need to because who knows when the next time you'll have the chance to play in the Final Fours. You know, if you win this one, you cement yourself as you're back. You know, UConn, we're blue bloods, in my honest opinion. A lot of people have us in it. A lot of people have us, have us out of it. It's about this close, uh, whether like about the average. I'd say we're about this close. But I feel like if you win this one and you come back and Danny Hurley, you know, cements a legacy here. It's a fish, and there's no arguing. This is this is this is where he makes his money, and this is where UConn proves that they're a school to be reckoned with, and that they definitely are blue. But this year and for the next five, ten, fifteen years, however many years Danny Hurley's here, he needs to prove year in and year out that UConn is not a school to be messed with. I mean, we're here for a reason. We've th fought through so much. We've beat really good teams, teams who have beat really good teams. But, this I mean, this is the last one, the last game of the season. And I really – I've seen a lot of stuff about, oh, this is just like a big school versus some little school. I don't care for playing Bill Walton Community College. I mean, I don't care that they're a state university because, frankly, we are too. But that's besides the point. But we – we can't take this game lightly. Like a lot of people are saying, oh, it's San Diego State. This game will be over in the first half. No, it's not. I mean, San Diego wants to win this just as bad as we do. So, <laughs> I mean, we just, we can't, we can't take it lightly. And I think that the people that are saying that we're going to take it lightly are saying that it's going to be over in the first half. Just, it's, that's just not true because we're going to, we're going to hit hard in the first half, but they're going to hit back because what we did in that Miami game is it was a fight. I mean, Gonzaga, we punched 
they punched back and then we punched back and the game was over. I mean, Miami, it was back and forth. You know, they kept crawling back until we had that knockout punch. And that's what we have to do against San Diego. We have to hit the first punch. And then if they keep punching back, we've just got to keep going at them. So, I mean, I trust us that we can win this game. You know, we're here for a reason, but I mean, it's not like San Diego State's just going to go out there and play all nonchalant because they want their first national championship bad. But I trust that this team is going to get their fifth tomorrow night. Let me say before my next point, I would love to be to attend Bill Walton Community College. I feel like that would be an, an otherworldly experience for anyone who attends. If that's a real thing, sign me up. But I get that's something I feel like you would do knowing Bill Walton and be all these rivers, like class about rivers, a class about whatever. It's just but that's besides the point. We have a final four to talk about here. I'll go into the stats a little bit, a little recap. Like I said, like we said, 72 to 59 victory. Sonogo 21 and 10. He hit two threes in the first what, four minutes of the game. And that really threw off Miami, I feel like. I mean, they're not expecting him, who was a dominant post player. I don't think he maybe took one three all tournament run up to that point, if any. So they're not expecting him to do that. And and he took he took two, made both. I mean, Hawkins hit right away. He was just questioning. I knew we I feel like we all knew Hawkins was gonna play. I mean, even though so he's an illness there. Playing it out a little bit. It's the only real storyline going on a couple of days before the, the game. So I feel like there's no doubt he was going to play. He did. And Alex Caravan, another first half budget reader, I think that's at least his fourth that I can remember. He made it even more from like earlier in the season. I mean, he's got to leave the country. And like I said, um, he had eight points, nine rebounds. He really, really crashed the glass well. I mean, she's improved on all season long. I remember that great game at home where Kalumau rebounded him like 16 to 2. And he's really came a long way since then. I mean, moving on here, uh, Tristan Newton, seven points, five rebounds, and eight assists. I kind of, this is mostly for not, not UConn fans. We know how good Tristan Newton is. But I feel like all these media outlets, the story is UConn's point guard play. They don't have a point guard. I mean, Tristan Newton's. Eight assists in this one. He's had multiple five, six, seven assist games this tournament. He's, besides Marquise Noel, who averages what 13 assists per game in the NCAA tournament, whatever that crazy number is, I feel like he's the best point guard that has played so far in this tournament. I feel like he will end up being that if we win it all. I mean, he's really impressed me coming over from ECU. I mean, him and DR, DR has lost some minutes in the backup role, but Newman's earned that. I mean, we were, we were all coming for Newton's head. We were like, he doesn't deserve that. DR deserves it more for his defense. And that St. John's game, keep on mentioning, Newton didn't score in, what, 19 minutes. I don't know if he took a shot. I mean, he's really improved. This whole team has improved. And, like, off the bench, a lean eight points, crucial eight from him. Joey hit a three, playing in just disrupts inside. I mean, the formula is there for success in this show. Yeah, and the defense, uh, the big story here, especially for me. Uh, Pack and Wong, uh, the two guys who felt like we were especially worried about coming out and scoring. Wong had 15 points, Pack had eight. They shot a combined 35% uh, from the field. Um, that is exactly what I was talking about when I said that we need the guards to come out and defend and lock these guys up because they weren't beating us in the front court. That was not happening. Happening. Uh, Army, I went 35 minutes. He had four fouls, 8.7 rebounds. Sonogo, absolute clinic, 21 and 10. Uh, Utter domination uh, in the front court, especially. They did get a lot of O boards early on in the game, but it never really came back to bite us. Uh, we did end up pulling away later in the second, which we've tended on doing, you know, all tournament long. We'll come out in the first half 
it'll be a little close. And then in the second half, we completely take over. And this is a UConn championship team. We've been saying it all year. This is the same thing that happened in 14. If you go back and watch those games, you'll notice those games were semi-tight in the first half. And in the second half, UConn was an entirely different team, especially with Shabazz. Those guys were crazy, DeAndre Daniels and such. But they came out and they played the best defense, I think, against Miami. I mean, to me at least, you know, the Gonzaga game was really close. But they understood the assignment in this game entirely. They allowed up seven threes. But this is one of the best defensive performances, I feel like, throughout the whole tournament. I mean, you could tell the Miami fans, they didn't want it. I mean, they didn't bring Peck his shoe when he lost it. You know a UConn fan would have brought somebody their shoe all the way down from wherever they were sitting. They would have brought whoever lost their shoe a shoe. But that might be the most interesting thing I've seen, especially in a Final Four game, that he didn't have a backup pair. But anyways, that's stupid. But, I mean, we just – we pretty much did – to Miami, what we did to every single other team, which was expose them. I mean, Miami was a team notorious for hitting every shot they take. And I mean, their percentage last night was 32. We forced them to shoot shots that they didn't want to take. And you know why they shot really good percentage against other teams? Because those teams gave them the shots that they wanted. I mean, our perimeter defense is just so good and has been all season long. Miami takes stupid threes and try to take stupid layups, and they missed them. They didn't want those shots, but they had to take them. I mean, you're not going to take a shot clock violation. So I think the most valuable thing from this team so far has just been our defense. I mean, our offense is there, but our defense has just killed every single team, and it just has to work. It's magic for one more. And I think what you're seeing out of almost every game in um... – Miami game really made me realize this. It was the Miami game and the Gonzaga game that I was really thinking this, but we're just straight up overwhelming teams because basically everyone who's out there on the court is a threat for us. And in a different way, they all bring something different to the table offensively. Um, They could all defend even Joey Calcaterra, you know, he's undersized, he's small, not the most athletic guy, but he really moves his feet and has active hands and he's willing to take charges. So just everyone on the court is just, a playmaker, which you can't say about every team in college. Um, you know, if you double team Sonogo, uh, you're leaving maybe uh Jordan Hawkins wide open. Uh, if you're chasing Jordan Hawkins around, um, it really spaces out the court and it's a really good distraction. Uh, if you're not chasing Jordan Hawkins around, he's hitting a three. Um, Tristan Newton could always operate out of the pick and roll no matter what happens. And um, all of our bench guys could come in and hit timely shots and uh, sustain the defense. So we really have just been an overwhelming team so far, and no one's had an answer yet. I really wonder if there is an answer. I guess we'll find out. And you talk about the bench, guys. I'm going to go a little deeper to the bench real quick. Andrew Early has played in five NCAA tournament games this year. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to look up a walk-on record for a, what team, what player. I'm, I'm not sure it's even out there, but – I mean, Andrew Early, he played, this is not a topic that's important, but we're just going to go into it. He, he played two games of Big East play, and he's played every game of the tournament so far. That's, that's crazy. Also, guys like Ruben Blue played, Samson Johnson, he fell out of the rotation from his injury, which is unfortunate. That's how that happened. But he's, he played, Richie Springs got in there, he got a rebound. I mean, these guys that work hard get rewarded. I mean, but we keep on thinking, oh, Hurley's in a tournament game against Iona. Oh, he's in another, another. And now he's playing in front of 70,000 fans 
sure, he just stood there and held the ball, but he had the ball in his hands. I mean, that's cool to see. And also, with those fans, my last point here about the Miami game, we'll talk a little bit about this national title tomorrow. Uh, the fans, uh, the alumni of this program, I mean, we all saw the picture, Kemba, Ray, Rip, and Mecca, the Mount Rushmore, I feel like, uh, it has to be, I mean, Three of the four won champion, one championships, and the one that didn't is the best three-point shooter of all time before a guy named Steph Curry or Adama Curry, as I mentioned yesterday. And first, he was the best shooter since Steph Curry came into the game into the league. But I mean, just seeing the support, I just saw news and breaking news for you guys on the pod. Isaiah Whaley is on his way. I saw he posted an Instagram. He's flying to Houston. I mean, all these, all the support, like Kemba's mom, Shabazz's mom, they were always there through those runs. I mean. No, the support, like the fans as well. I mean, there's a lot of UConn fans. There's a lot of all these fans in Houston. I mean, it's just great to see, and the team deserves it. Yeah, and the thing about us being like the only real team with a Final Four experience, I guess you could say, in this Final Four is, you know, San Diego State doesn't have um, a bunch of national, cha- former national championships who were some of the greatest college players ever coming in to give them pep talks you're coming in to tell them what to expect um the more i think about that the more valuable i think that is that we have ray allen coming in talking to the team and telling them all right guys um this is what you need to hear this is what to expect uh this is what i did you know like i said you really don't have other teams doing that i'm sure Kawhi is not doing that for san diego state but even Kawhi was in the national championship um he ended up being one of the better nba players of all time but that's besides the point but really in this entire final four UConn was the only team where you know we'd been there before and we had guys who could tell us what to do and we had a bunch of alumni who came back and um you know were experienced in that situation so the more I think about that the more I just feel like that's definitely valuable and it has to play some factor yeah I've seen since like late season March and probably five or six different occasions where Rip Hamilton and Jordan Hawkins were shooting together in different places. I mean, the two of them have both gotten really close over the season, and that's huge. I mean, they're kind of similar players. I believe obviously Hawkins takes more threes, but they're the lead guards on a championship contending team. They're both been in both Hawkins will be in the NBA after this season, and Rip obviously won a title with the Pistons. I mean, people are comparing Hawkins to either Ray or Rip. I, I mean, I feel like there's a little more uh, a little more rip in his like scoring ability. Obviously, the shooting you wanted to compare him to Ray, but the but the scoring with Hawkins and how he can just get his shots it doesn't have to be a three, it can be a mid range. I feel like a lot of Rip Hamilton in there. And I think now we're going to move on. We're going to talk briefly about the San Diego State team. They beat Florida Atlantic at the buzzer. Lamont Butler hit it, and it's heartbreaking for us. One because obviously it doesn't matter who we play. It's national championship. We're going to play hard either way. But Jalen Gaffney, it was. The writing was on the wall for one of the greatest, one of the greatest national championship rivalries ever between Gaffney and his former school. I mean, it was right there. He played well. He hit a three pointer. I mean, he had a great season. I, he made the right move. I feel like I'm not sure how much run he would have gotten if he stayed. I mean, I feel like he'd be in that DR role where he played a little bit as back of the point guard. Now he got, we get like three minutes, but. I'm happy for him. He and his team had a great season. They'll all be back. The American FAU is a team to watch out for. But we got to focus on San Diego State. I mean, they, they were down by 14. They came back. They're more of a defensive-oriented team, but the offense led them, obviously, in the comeback down 14. Uh, Matt Bradley had 20 points. He's a he's a he's like aggressive guard. He's a little big. 
I like wider. I don't want to say wider. I feel like you know what I mean. He's like built more. He's a guard. They also have some depth. They play nine guys like we do. They have, but they're more balanced nine. They don't have guys like Yara playing three. They have like nine guys averaging 15 minutes or more. So that could be, that's definitely a factor. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on this matchup initially? Uh, They are not a very good scoring team. Like you said, they have about nine guys playing 15 minutes. Their highest score, Matt Bradley, only averages 12 a game, 12.7. So, right enough, that's 13. Um, we have Sonogo and Hawkins, you know, both out there to score uh, religiously. They are very good at that. Another team here, uh, not much size. They have uh, Nathan Mensah, who's their tallest guy, but you'll find him around the perimeter. He loves to shoot threes. He averages about six a game. Um, 50% three-point shooter. Uh, definitely one to watch out for a big who can step back and shoot, he could cause Klingon some problems, I feel like would be the first big to do so. Uh, I don't think that will be the Sonogo matchup. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it's going to be Jaden Lee. They're around the same size, Jaden Lee 6'9", 240, dangling around there. Um, I feel like if we come out with the game that we've played, we score the ball like we do, this shouldn't be an issue. Um, this game shouldn't be as bad, at least as some of the other ones we've played. I feel like you know, Miami definitely had a more fit squad to come beat us uh, than San Diego State do. Uh, these guys have played their hearts at all tournament, but just like the Gonzaga game that we played, these guys are coming off a very, very emotional win, and we see how teams do coming off emotional wins in March. Um, I like how we uh, match up with them, and I feel like, you know, we should take advantage of things we've taken advantage of in the past with other teams. I mean, at this rate, I'm not really worried about the whole size thing. I mean, we've done we've done great with teams that are undersized and more size than us. Um, I'm just more worried about the whole defense thing because you're right. Their offense isn't really good, but there's going to be times in this game where there's probably going to be two to three minutes without scoring because there's just going to be such good defense. Um, and it's actually something I think we struggled with yesterday. You know, getting we got that big lead. But every time we scored, they would score. You know, eventually trading baskets for baskets isn't going to work because we're going to start missing and they're going to start hitting or you're going to see what happened. We kept hitting and they started missing. So, you know, it's it's going to be a weirder game than all these because their defense is going to be the one punching. You know, it's not going to be their offense going on an 8-9-0 run in a minute. You know, it's going to be their defense really punching back. Um, if they make a stop on defense, they're going to be so much more motivated to get that basket on offense. So it's really just if we pick their defense apart like a well-cooked chicken, I'm going to go with my Bill Walton reference here. Uh, we pick their defense apart, then we'll win this game. That's all we have to do. We have to find the flaws in their defense like we did yesterday with the Miami bigs going way too far up. Sonogo just sliding right into the block for a wide open pass and layup. So we really just we have to find the flaws in the San Diego defense. You know, I'm not even going to be worried if we're not up at the half because we'll know what we need to do in the second. But this this is going to be a weird game because it's going to be so unlike the rest of the others. But I do agree with Matt about the emotional win. You know, getting that buzzer beater win is going to make them want it even more. And the way San Diego wants this game to be played is they're going to want it to be ugly. They're going to want it to be slow pace at their own place, and they're going to want it to not be high scoring. Um, we're going to come in there and obviously as good as our defense has been, um, our whole offense is based around scoring and scoring quickly, just getting out and running, getting guys shots. And 
So you're going to see a whole clash of philosophies in this game. And, you know, whoever executes their game plan better will win, obviously. But it's just, you know, they're doing a whole different thing than we are. They're not the greatest offensive team. Uh, one thing I am a little worried about is they're really, I, I guess, the, fir- the first team this tournament who could honestly match our depth person for person. Not that I think their bench is much better than ours, but, you know, they can play nine guys and keep fresh legs. So I think that's really where we'll win is when they go to their bench and we go to our bench at the same time. Um, Whoever's bench plays better is really going to determine this. But, um, yeah, like I said, just a whole clash in um, game plan and philosophy. We'll see how this goes. And an important thing here, I don't know if it's actually that important, but we have a couple of common opponents in Arkansas and St. Mary's both defeated this team. They ended them two of their six losses. And I feel like it, it's like we like we said, it might be a weird one. Like I'm getting vibes of 2011, 50, what was it, 53 to 41. I'm not gonna say it's gonna be that low of a scoring game, but it definitely could be. I mean, San Diego State plays defense, they don't score a lot. We do score a lot, but if we run into a good defense, I feel like not saying we're due for a stinker, but it's definitely a possibility. I mean, it could be an ugly one. I feel like we're the better team on paper and not. I mean, you look at an important thing here, which I feel like we can take care of, something Florida Atlanta could not, is rebound the basketball. And that comeback against against FAU when they were needed points, they were, they couldn't hit a free throw San Diego State, which they shot, what, 59% for the game. But every time they missed a free throw, they would get the offensive rebound. It was like five offensive rebounds in a two-minute span that helped them keep them in the game. I feel like with our size, guys like Sonogo and even Jackson, Caravan, who's improved at rebounding, I feel like that shouldn't be really an issue in this one. And I think now we can move on to some players to watch. He forgot to do that for the Miami one, but we didn't come back to the bite. But I'll let you guys choose first. Who are your players to watch for the national championship game? Uh, my player has definitely got to be Alex Caravan here, just a freshman with all the pressure in the world on him. How is he going to perform? Um, what's he going to show us for what he's going to bring to the table for the next couple of years? He's played a tremendous march so far, but um, it's just really fun to think about that. We're going to have a freshman starting in the national championship game, and this is the guy who our program's kind of in the hands of, so I'm definitely looking at him. I'm going to go with Hawkins. Um, this uh, is most likely his last game here uh, at UConn. Uh, so, you know, he wants to show out a little bit. And I feel like if he comes out here and he puts up a fantastic performance here in the national championship game, I feel like, you know, he might not only, you know, boost, uh, you know, his self-esteem, but also his draft stock. So, I mean, this could turn him from top 20 to a top 10 pick, in my opinion, if he comes out and he puts up 20 in the national championship win and he leads his team to the championship like he's done all tournament long. Uh, I feel like this is a very big game for him and just his legacy as a player, you know, coming out of the draft. You know, this could do a lot for him. We've seen players from UConn come out of the, you know, tournament and succeed. And, you know, we've seen some fail. Uh, Shabazz Napier, you know, tournament legend, came out, failed. But, you know, then we have our Kimball Walkers of the world who come out and are a multi-time all-star. So I feel like this is a big one for Jordan Hawkins, uh, not just for the team, but also just for him. I mean, I don't think you cannot take – Sonogo here. I mean, he's been so, so dominant this entire tournament. I mean, I'm not quite sure how many points he's averaging, but every night he's doing something to help the team succeed. You know, 
Like there's a Gonzaga game. He didn't score much, but he defended Timmy so well and a lot made space for others to score last night. He was doing everything. So I don't think this is his last game. You know, if we win tomorrow and he wins the, whatever the award is for most valuable player of the tournament. Um, I think it definitely raises his draft stock, but I think him and Jackson do stay true to their word uh, about coming back and trying to run it back with our class next year. But I, I think, I think snow goes going to be the guy who wins the, the tournament MVP because he's just proved that he's unstoppable, you know, undersized, but unstoppable. I got two here. One's kind of a joke. Yeah, I think Andrew Hurley, my player to watch, completes the sweep. I bet he checks in and the UConn win over San Diego State, and he gets his sixth tournament game of the year, which is still crazy to say. My real player to watch, and the only player that we are guaranteed to, to be his last game as a Husky is Joey Calcaterra, the graduate transfer. I mean, he can't come back. He has no more eligibility. The other two seniors Newton and Aline can't come back for their COVID year. Obviously, guys like Hawkins, like you mentioned, it's most likely like 90-something percent that he'll go to the draft. But, I mean, Joey's been so – he's surprised me all season. I thought he would come over and he'd be a guy that wouldn't play much, maybe occasionally like a non-conference play. But once conference play rolled around, big East play, he wouldn't really see the floor. But he's proven that's not the case. I mean, he's hitting his shots. He's shooting over 40% from three this season. I mean, he's really, really improved me. I, I, I'll, I'll fault myself there a little bit. I didn't know much about him. I assumed the transfer coming in, like, June, July from UC San Diego wasn't going to be too too big of a factor on the team. I was clearly wrong there. I'll, I'll, I'll take the blame for that. But he's been – he's grown so much on not just me, I'm sure all of us, all of UConn Nation, Joey, California. I mean, it's crazy. It's the last time we'll see him play. I'm glad we know it's the last time we'll see him play. And it's not, oh, we lose to Iona in the first round in there, Joey's gone. I'm glad he gets, like, not a proper send-off. It's a proper send-off if we win. But I'm really, really happy that he's been a Husky and he's helped us so far this year. I mean, if it wasn't for Danny Hurley's phone call, he would have been in the NIT shooting threes for Vanderbilt. And would he have been Joey Tennessee? You know, he, he, nobody knows, but I am really happy that he decided to come here because, you know, he did have a little bit of a rough spot, but he really, he really showed what it was like to be Husky. Even it just, it stinks that we only had him for one year. Cause I would have, I would have loved to have him uh, last year as well as this year. But I was, I was just really happy that he decided to become a Husky for one year because it is a special program to be a part of. And hopefully we get the job done for him so that he can have a one hell of a story to tell his kids and grandkids. You know, I don't, I don't think he's quite got what it takes to play in the NBA, maybe overseas, but you know, I, I did really enjoy seeing number three out there for the Huskies this season. So on the slight off chance you're watching this, Joey California, thank you for everything, my man. Yeah, one thing's for sure. We'll never forget that Georgetown game with that crazy run with the reverse layups and the threes and the lob to clean. I mean, that was that was prime Joey California, and I feel like he can reach that tomorrow as well. Maybe, why not? Another prediction, double figures for Joey off the bench. Last game, go out with a bang. And I think now that's just about doing here for episode 34, recapping the final four winning preview in the national championship. That's going to be quite a flip to look back on. If you told me I would be saying that sentence, 
in November, but here we are beating Miami, and now we're playing San Diego State in the title tomorrow. It's going to be a great game, and I just want to – I'm in Houston. I, I was at the game yesterday. It was a great atmosphere. A lot of Huskies fans, and I also forgot my mic at home, so if the audio sounds a little off, that's just the one-episode thing. Don't worry about it. It'll be back to normal. I'm sure it sounds fine, but that's the reason. But it's just – it's a crazy environment down here. All the, all the fans, all the teams, a lot of UConn, a lot of Miami, even a lot of San Diego State. FAU, there's some, but obviously it's a smaller school out of the, out of the conference USA, so you wouldn't expect too much. But all the schools are representing well. Even fans of schools that aren't in the in the tournament, I've seen, or not in the Final Four, I've seen a bunch of Duke and Indiana, a lot of Michigan State as well. A lot of a lot of fans coming. It's a it's not just an event for these sports teams. It's an event for the sport. And it's really, really cool to see. And hopefully we can end it with our fifth national championship. Thanks for watching.